You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School, presented by Privy and Triple Whale. I'm your host, Val Geisler. Connor, thank you for joining us on the E-Commerce Marketing School podcast. I'm so excited that you are here today to be our guest professor. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to chat about something that I and our team have spent a lot of time thinking about this year as we, as we uh, get ready for Q4. Yeah, I think so. The reason I asked you to come help teach today is uh, you were talking on, uh, can we call it Twitter still? <laughs> talking on Twitter so. X. Yeah. I still today call Twitter. is the yeah. big change. Uh, yeah, so we're all still calling it Twitter. Um, you were talking on Twitter about kind of testing uh, offers throughout the year to inform your BFCM strategy. And I was instantly like, yes, thank you, because there's so many operators. Uh, just kind of go holiday to holiday, uh, offer to offer, and don't think about, you know, kind of how, what that is going to turn into long term. There's not enough looking back at the year when you're thinking about your Black Friday strategy. And quite honestly, strategy is a very loose term in terms of Black Friday for a lot of people. Um, It's like, let's throw our very best offer. We only ever offer 20% off. So we're going to offer 30 for Black Friday. And that's like our deal. Um, I love your strategic approach to thinking through offers over time and uh, how that informs everything you do when it comes to the fall. So when really, I mean, when do you first start thinking about BFCM strategy and knowing like, hey, we're we're talking now in July. And so how long since from July, how many months previous have you been thinking about BFCM this year? Yeah, I mean, honestly, since the first quarter, candidly, like we know we're going to do we're going to do probably I, I would argue at, at a very low end, I think 50% of our revenue will come in November and December. So you know, we are really thinking about it all year long. And I think one of the things that I get frustrated with, but it's also simultaneously a good thing for us because it gives us a lot of opportunity to learn is that the Cooper space in general is a very like tentpole driven industry. So like at any, like if any of the major holidays, if you go to any of like the major players that are in the Cooper space, like most brands are, are running an offer of some sort during those times. And like we did, we, like it's, you know, just the, the market that we operate in, which is, you know, I have mixed feelings about because I love evergreen marketing. Um, and I think like for most brands, like to really succeed, you have to really dial in your evergreen marketing. But at the same time, it's afforded us like, you know, seven or eight times throughout the year to do a bunch of different testing across all of our main revenue driving channels. And, and I'm a big fan of this, this phrase of like testing into, um, you should, I'm like, we're always thinking about like, how are we going to test into the best version of our marketing stack and ultimately the goal is for every single sale we run is to like take away learnings whether it's from the ad or the website setup or the offer um and like roll that into the next sale and ultimately get to this like spot where during bfcm we are like super optimized and i use i think that's kind of a buzzword in marketing but like in this context i use it very intentionally because we've spent all this time leading up to BFCM, uh, you know, President's Day, Memorial Day, 4th of July, Prime Day, getting all these insights that we're now, we're not, I mean, we might do a little testing during BFCM, but for the most part, the stuff that we launched during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, during holiday is going to be stuff that we've tested before. It's not going to be net new stuff for the most part. I'd say like 80% of our marketing stack will be, will be tested and, and, you know, we'll be very confident that it's going to work because we've, we've tested into it throughout the year. So it's like, we're running big sale moments every single 
quarter leading up to Q4. And that's why I say like, we do start thinking about it um, at the beginning of the year. And, and even if it's not like, hey, we're not directly talking about Black Friday, if we're talking about a President's Day sale, or Memorial Day sale, we're still like adjacently thinking about Black Friday because we know we're going to take those learnings and roll them out for Black Friday. So um, yeah, I mean, we're always, we're always testing into the best version. And again, because these tentpole sale moments are so important in, in the cookware space in general, um, it's, it's something I've spent a lot of time focusing on. Do you feel like there are times where a offer hasn't gone the way you wanted it to go? So any of those big sale moments where you either, you know, I'm sure that it's always like beneficial to run a sale for for your product, but uh, is there, have there been times where the learning is like, oh, this doesn't work? Definitely. Yeah. Um, a good example of that is our, is our last. So yeah, offers are so crucial um, and we test We've gotten more smarter and smarter about our offer from like a landed margin perspective, from a from a positioning perspective. We are now thinking like about offers both from an acquisition and a retention standpoint for, for every single sale and usually have a different stack of offers for each audience. But yeah, I think a, a really good example of that. So during our Prime Day sale, we tested so we tested into the six piece set plus free gift is like one of our hero offers. We we downsized from a seven piece set to a six piece set last year. Um, but we were actually able to like manipulate our prices. So we, we didn't have to drop our price down once. So our, our landed margin is way better now on our seven piece versus six piece. And now what we do is we say, okay, now during a 10 full sales moment, we're saying, hey, get the six piece set plus a free gift, which is really the same thing as our evergreen seven piece set in 2022. So like we've been able to really win on that big picture level with the 60 set plus gift. We're, we're now like, again, positioning the same seven piece evergreen offer as a, as a sale. And it's still a great offer and the PC value is huge. So we tested into that this year, um, which like every time we run that six piece set plus free gift, it's pretty much our highest product order during that sale moment. And it might not necessarily be the most revenue driving. We'll do other offers that might be at higher order values, but that six piece set plus gift has become a a huge and you'll know like we're gonna run it in Q4, you'll see it. It's it's gonna be our highest volume offer. Um, but something else really interesting. So we 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 tested into that offer over President's Day, um, over Memorial Day, and then during Prime Day, I thought to myself, well, how can we get a little bit more optimized with this offer? And and my thought was, well, what if we left little choose a free gift? Because what we were doing was we had a static free gift set. For the first few times we did it this year, I'm like, well, what if what if we let people tune their gift? Like, what would happen? Um, what would be the most popular gift? Like, is there is there different cheap products that would that would outperform the gift that we have been offering? So what we did during the Prime Day sale is we we have this like size selector. If you go to any of our individual pants, you'll notice that kind of like the same way. If you go to Nike.com and you click on a shoe, um, you can you don't have to go back to like select all your colors. Right, they're right there. So we have a side selector for our individual pans. Um, and what we did was we took that functionality and we kind of morphed it into a choose your own gift. And what we did was we did, uh, you know, free gift with six piece set during prime day. You get to choose a 12 inch walk, a 12 inch griddle or a eight inch chef's knife. And the griddle is actually our most popular individual product um, year to date, um, right below a couple of our sets. So I thought it was gonna be a pretty even split between people that were going to choose the griddle. I thought it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be roughly like 40, 40, 20, 12 inch percentages, 12 inch walk to 12 inch griddle to eight inch chef's knife. What we found is that um, the walk was actually like 65, 70% of, of what people were selecting. The griddle was roughly 25 to 30 and the, and the eight inch chef's knife was like 4%. 
um so that was something where i was like oh wow that, that's crazy to me like the hypop like knowing our year that the griddle was more popular year to date as an individual product um i really thought that it was going to be a lot more comparable to 12 inch walk so again that's just another data point now that i that we can very constantly go and say hey um we let people choose their own gift before the 12 inch walk was still the most popular so when I mean, we do roll out the next six inch uh six piece set plus gift we know that the 12 inch walk is what's going to get us the most performance or, or probably any walk so that was an example of one where i was very surprised and the offer and the offer did not play out the way i thought it was going to um What's interesting about that is the the knife, like the knife kind of being the major underperformer is a, it's another piece of data too, right? Like that, hey, our pan set buyers are not our knife buyers, or they're at least not doing it, thinking in that same way, right? Like they're thinking about pans, they're not thinking about knives. And that's it, two different parts of the cooking process. And so, you know, staying focused on pans when they're in pan mode and then sell them on knives another time. Um, so it's like you get the data on which pieces are performing, but I, I also think there's like a lot to know, a lot to learn from the piece that's like way underperforming. If there is like, if no one's picking it up, that means they're not, that's not the buyer for that product, at least not at the moment. 100% agree with you. And it's like, so then, so then that informs, well, what part of the funnel do we go in and like try to sell people not as well, right? Cause I, you know, at least in this context of acquisition, it's definitely not that, that the right stage of the funnel, maybe it's. So that is something we're really working on right now is like building out a very robust post-purchase cross-sell flow for the knives where we really introduce the knives as a whole super clearly. We explain all the individual knives, then we try to get them into a set. Um, but then the other question is, even though the walk totally outperformed the 12-inch riddle and the 8-inch chef's knife, should we still offer those in a choose-your-own-gift context? Because, you know, maybe that's an incremental knife buyer or incremental walk buyer that we would not have gotten if we only offered the 12 inch walk so it's like okay we know the walk performs well but there it, you know there's layers to this stuff right like you could you can slice it and dice it you know eight different ways and then you have to decide it's all about like triangulating and, and like then deciding what to what to do moving forward so i still think there's a world where we do the choose your own gift um and maybe we just like position the walk is like the leading gift offer right now that we have this data like there's a lot of ways we still need to do a lot more testing is, is kind of my overall takeaway here but like kind of slowly but surely chipping away um and then another another I example too if like surprise gift would be like a interesting one too or like hey we've got these two items at the same price point and we're gonna ship 50 percent of the orders with this one and 50 percent with the other and just kind of surprise gift um, you know, or you could even do, um, <laughs> I, uh, use an app for like my life insurance. They give you points if you work out and then at every so many workouts you do this, like spin the wheel and you get a gift card, um, or you get more points, but the gift cards are Amazon or Starbucks. Oh, that's cool. And so, and sometimes they're $5 and sometimes they're $10, but the thing that you can do is you can actually swap it. So you, you spin the wheel, you get Amazon, you're like, yay. And then you realize, oh, I can actually switch it to Starbucks if I want. Um, so you could think like they could kind of do a, I hate like spin to win kind of offers, but you could do something like that where like random selector and then offer them the chance to swap it. Um, that might be interesting. Like I love, I love things like this where you can kind of play with ideas and learn from it. And that's the nice thing about our product mix. Yeah. Tell, tell me about that. Like I, I want to know more about the mindset behind testing these offers. Um, I, I think like that has to, it can't be just you. 
right? Like you can't be the only champion for let's test stuff. Is this a entire company, like all HexCloud, everybody thinks that this is the right thing to do? Do you have people who you kind of have to give a little bit of extra information to? Um, Like talk to me about the mindset around testing. Yeah, I mean, as far as the offer goes, um, I work super closely with our finance team. So we are really, really dialed in on landed margin. So every offer that we put out there, it makes a lot of sense from a landed margin perspective. So if we're, if I'm like crafting up some offers that I think will be compelling and I'm looking at like our year to date sales, um, and seeing like, okay, well, like what are the most popular sets in individual products? And like, how can we craft offers around those? Um, I'm looking at, we, I'm looking at like basket analysis. So I'm, I'm looking at things like, Hey, if someone comes in and buys our most popular two first time order products, like what are they then most likely to buy? Like what's the next most, like the next most popular product, the third, fourth, fifth, like that has a lot of, in, like that informs how we go about offers. Um, so yeah, it's like, it all starts with that and like the landed margin conversation. And and again, I spend a ton of time with our, our finance team, like making sure that this makes sense from a landed margin perspective. Because that's ultimately like, if you could run the most compelling offer in the world, but if it only has a 50% landed margin, then it doesn't matter. Like it's not going to, it's not going to work for us. So then, so that's where we start. Um, and like, I'm, I'm reporting up to, you know, my boss, the president about all this stuff, because he's a very deeply rooted finance guy. And at the end of the day, he cares about the numbers. So like, he's very, very pro offer testing to like test in with this like highest margin possible. So that's like where it starts, right? And then you go about building out all these offers with all your channels, yada, yada, yada. And then there's the analysis piece, which is, you know, the, the second half of it. And I think that's where, you know, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the call, like you don't think enough, enough marketers are thinking about this stuff. And I agree. And I think part of the reason that is, I think there's this culture in like digital and e-com and digital marketing in general of like next deliverable out the door, next deliverable out the door. And maybe that's like an agency thing. I know personally, like when I was at the agency, that's how I felt. And I think not enough marketers are spending time like getting the deliverable out the door, but then like you got to spend the time thinking about like, well, how did it do? Like, what are the, what are the numbers say? And like, what's our conclusion based off this? If you don't do that, what's the point of testing, right? Like, and again, like, I think this is something that if you're in-house, you are afforded that um, luxury of like being able to really think about things for a longer period of time. But um, yeah, when we look at Florence, then it's like, what is the blended results of this? So like in acquisition, for example, we were pushing three or four acquisition offers and we pushed four retention offers during our, our 4th of July day sale. And what we do is we say, okay, well, how many how many, how much do we spend on all the funnels pushing these individual offers? How many first time orders did we have for each of these products that we're pushing? Um, and then we're backing into a blended pack and a blended acquisition MER based on that. And then again, I'm working with our finance team to say, okay, like our order value on this offer was $700. I know our blended CAC, I know I'm we can assume this cost for all these offers. Um, and then I know my blended CAC was, you know, let's just say 150 bucks. So I'm able to very clearly go in and pull like a contribution margin per offer and be like, okay, well, it's pretty clear to me that the 13 piece set plus free barbecue pan, like made us by far the most money this sale. Um, it's very obvious that that's the case. It's very obvious that the essentials bundle, which is this like $300 bundle with a 12 inch pan plus, um, three part pot plus three, eight inch chest knife. It's pretty clear that that one, um, had the worst contribution margin by a long shot. Um, so like, we should probably maybe we should think about sunsetting that or trying a different low, like that's the level of analysis we're doing. We did the same thing with, with our, um, retention for 4th of July. We had four different offers. We took our entire, like has ordered before audience that we would usually push a retention offer to. We siloed them into quadrants for the entire sale. And then we tested two percentage off. We tested two free gifts. So we tested 10% off and 15% off. And then we tested free gift over, we tested free gifts 
free barbecue pan and orders over 300 free bar free one quart pot orders over 300 and again kept them all siloed the whole sale to really keep the data clean and we found that 15 percent off as you would expect got not only a lot more volume but it actually did net us more dollars in contribution after the discounts came out um and then we also found that the free barbecue pan was used like probably 30 or 40 percent more than the than the one quart pot so something about that like seasonal product um, really resonated with our people that have bought from us before and like just totally crushed compared to the one quart pot so it's like things like that um again now we have like better like and we're not done testing our retention but now i know it's like okay well 15 percent off we should always do that over 10 percent. now the question is well can we run 20 percent off and actually do more contribution dollars than 15 and now the question is can we do a maybe a different threshold of where you get that free gift or try a different free gift so that's like the thinking that goes into like a ideating the offer and then b like understanding what actually works um because i think that there's no, there's no worse feeling in the world as a marketer than getting at the end of a test and be like wait crap this date is muddy and i don't we don't have a conclusion here so like you know and i'm sure you've had this experience i think every marketer has it's like the way you model your tests I, th I spent a lot of time thinking about that. Like I spent a lot of time talking with all the retention marketers that are in-house and at our agencies talking about how we're going to set up this retention test. Cause like you, like if we didn't set that up the way we set it up, then we'd have crappy results. Like if, if multiple segments are seeing different offers throughout the duration of the sale, then all your data is wacky and you have no conclusion. So um, that's the type of stuff, at least from an offer standpoint that, like goes into the planning and the analysis from it of our end and it's very cross-functional like i said lots of different marketers focused on different channels finance team um in on the in the mix as well um and then my job is to like you know connect the dots between between all those different pieces and make sure we're like getting good conclusions and, and making good decisions after that so for those operators who have uh, everything under their belt they're one person operators or they have a small team five six people on the team um i think probably the the what, what i'm actually hearing you say without saying it is uh do do planning like plan around what is going to go into your offer and it might be that you do less offers um if, you, totally, if yeah. you are spending time planning like you have the um kind of privilege of having this big team so you can run offers more often and test them um but if you're a smaller smaller org it's okay. It doesn't mean you don't do this. It just means you do it less often, but do it meaningfully, right? Quality over quantity. Those meaningful tests are really important. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like maybe instead of doing, you know, five acquisition offers or four retention offers that you need to A, plan for, and then like build out assets for and campaigns for, maybe you just do two. It's like, it's, you can just scale it up or down, right? It's like the overall approach is not, it's no different. Like whether you're doing testing 10 offers, or whether you're testing two, the approach is the same. Like you're still got to do the planning and the asset building and the analysis. Like it's, it's three steps. Right. And that's how I look at it. Um, but like any, any org can do this. It's just a matter of like to what scale you do it at. And, and obviously as you get bigger and you bring more people internally or you have more partners externally, you can start to like really ramp up the, the amount of things you're testing at any given time. But I actually would always, I'd always say test less test less in the interest of having more clear conclusions and more clear data. Like if, if you testing more just makes you more confused and you're, then you're not doing it right. So I should probably try to do it's too not much. Not doing anyone any good. Exactly. That has been the underlying theme of this season so far is uh, really making sure that like everything that we're talking about is something any team can do. And it's just a matter of like at what scale. So 
taking away from this conversation, go and set up those tests, split your audiences by in half, in thirds, whatever it is. It's like that's a very simple way to test and it's very clean. You get very good data from that. And then scale as you as your business grows. So I hear you saying that. I've heard all of our other guests saying that about all their topics. So uh Connor, I we could talk about this for another two hours. So I'm sure we um, could. Yeah, we got to let our listeners go. But uh, if people want to chat with you more about it, because I know that you're passionate about this topic, where can they find you? How can they get in touch? Yeah, Twitter is the best is the best place for anything e-commerce related. That's kind of where my uh, my uh, digital e-commerce persona lives, at least. So yeah, just my full name, Connor Elaine, Twitter. And sign up to the HexCloud emails to see what tests Connor's running on you. <laughs> uh, thanks for spending time with us today. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. See you later. All right, class, make sure you're subscribed to e-commerce marketing school and huge favor. If you hear an episode you love, please take two minutes to leave a review. With Privy, anyone can be a marketer. Simple, intuitive email and SMS marketing that drives real results without the complexity. And before I go, a special shout out to Triple Whale. E-commerce marketing school is now part of the Triple Whale podcast network. Triple Whale helps you easily manage and automate analytics, attribution, merchandising, forecasting, and more in the palm of your hand. Check them out by scheduling a demo today.